Richard Abear, Abear's Garden Center. He again is with us on the phone today. So if you do have a question or comment, email me, Jeff at Kane1240.com or message us on Facebook or Twitter. Happy to share your thoughts with Richard. How you doing today, sir? Hey, Jeff. Good morning. Doing great. Appreciate it as always. Uh, looks like we've got a beautiful day coming before uh, rain tomorrow. Any uh, recommendations on a day like today into tomorrow? Yeah, the uh, I mean, obviously, when it comes to fertilization, now's a great time to do it. Uh, uh, whether it be the lawns, whether it be shrubs, whether it be trees, uh, you know, if you could put it down. There's, there's two good reasons why it's a great time to do it. One is that the ground is already wet. And so it's less chance of burning. And then obviously the fact that we're going to get rain tomorrow. But the reason why the uh, it, it's good it, that the ground is wet correctly right now is that there's less chance of it burning uh, if you put it down now and we don't get any rain tomorrow. So that's a benefit. And as opposed to if you try to put it down when, when it's uh, dry and say, oh, it's going to rain and it doesn't rain, then you really got to go in there and flood it and soak it. So... Now's a great time to put it down. The lawns have suffered, uh, and that's been since last fall. And so you can certainly, uh, you know, if you if you want to weed and feed or if you spray for the weeds and you want to fertilize, go ahead and do that. And uh, I think that's going to pay big dividends. Uh, the only thing I want to say about the lawns is that the, uh, uh, you know, we may have to push them, push them a little bit harder this year than we normally do. You know, normally one, one fertilization in the spring is sufficient, but, they kind of suffered this year. I think it was a combination of the brown patch we had in the fall, and then we got that hard freeze in December, and it kind of really set them back. And so uh, you, you, you may have to hit them twice to kind of get them to fill out. And uh, but I think overall they're going to come back strong, and, and they should be in pretty good shape. All right. Uh, what else uh, are you worried about or looking at uh, this time of year? Okay, so uh, we talked last week about the vegetables and the uh, fungus, and, and we are certainly starting to see it, and it's going to get worse uh, with the humidity and the rainfall we get. Uh, what, what's happening in the, uh, in the, in the vegetable garden is uh, we're starting to see spotted leaves, and we're starting to see the leaf drop. And, um, you, you know, there's several different fungus, fungus problems out there, but it's, it's generally caused by the rainfalls and and just humidity. So you want to make sure that uh, that you spray. Uh, we talked last week about spraying as a preventative, and and you really want to do that. And so, for example, we're getting uh, rain uh, in theory tomorrow morning. So pumpy, some people would come and say, "Well, I'm gonna wait till Sunday to spray, and that way, I, or Saturday to spray, and that way I know it's gonna stay on there." No, you really want to spray it. And then repeat maybe next week, but you really want to spray it before the uh, the rain, even if it just stays on there four or five hours. That would be worth it uh, because the, the rainfall does make matters worse. Remember, when it comes to vegetables, in terms of watering, we always want to to water the the uh, soil and not the leaves. And that's kind of what happens when it rains. Uh, the rainfall is hitting the leaves, keeping them moist, and splashing the soil, and 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 bringing up bacteria from the ground. And it just it just it just makes for a you know a, the perfect situation for bacteria to grow and spread on the leaves. And that's why we we only water the ground. The the you know the best the best way to water vegetables is with a drip 
drip line underneath the plants and where it just it just oozes out of the line and, and soaks the soil. You're not getting any splash, and it's not touching the leaves. And that's kind of the theory behind uh, watering uh, watering vegetables. Try not to hit the leaves and just soak the ground. And so, you know, if you have some uh, fungicides, it would definitely be worth your while, especially when it comes to peppers, tomatoes, cucumbers, and squash. Uh, okra is not as susceptible, and corn is not as susceptible, but everything else can be very susceptible to this problem, and, and, and we're going to start the issue. The other thing we want to do in the vegetable garden is uh, is we can go ahead and side dress at this point. If, you, if your plants have been in the ground around four to five, six weeks, which most people have put in the ground and, and have, or in it that, at least that long, uh, you want to put a side dress with a product called calcium nitrate. And calcium nitrate is basically uh, has calcium in it and it has nitrogen in it. The reason that's a really good one is that it'll prevent uh, it'll prevent something called blossom end rot on tomatoes and squash. And blossom end blossom end rot will uh, will cause the fruit on the bottom end to just turn black. And you know it's it's kind of discouraging, Jeff. We will get people come in and said, man, I lost around 15 tomatoes to this fungus, and I didn't, I, you know, I was spraying fungicides, I didn't know what to do, and I couldn't stop it. When, at that point, we can tell them it's easy to stop if you just prevent it, and that's what the calcium nitrate does. Calcium nitrate uh, puts calcium in the soil, and the plant will pick that up, and that's what happens, uh, that's what causes the, blo- the blossom end rot is the lack of calcium. So it's really important, and it's important for two reasons. One, it'll stop that, and, and the other reason is the nitrogen end of it. Nitrogen, when you put a fertilizer down when you first plant, uh, there's basically three major elements in fertilizer. There's nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. And that's what you get when you, when you, when you put in 13, 13, 13. That's nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, or A24, 24, or whatever. It's those three major elements that are in the ground. The first one, the nitrogen, leaches out of the soil very easily. And this is very important when it comes to people who are, who are planting in containers or raised beds. And the reason is because the fertilizer leaches out very, very fast. And, and it does leach out in the ground, too. So the nitrogen is the one that you have to replace about every four to six weeks. And that's critical in raised beds. And so this will do the best of both worlds. It'll give you the calcium that'll prevent the blossom and rot, and it'll give you the nitrogen that is leached out of the soil after four to six weeks. Why is the nitrogen important? The nitrogen is what will give you leaf growth and give you good, healthy color on the leaf itself. And people would say, well, that's all great, but I really want flowers because that's the flowers that are going to make the cucumbers and the tomatoes and all that, and that's true. But what makes the food uh, uh, so that the plant can produce the flowers are the leaves. And so you got to have that nitrogen and keep adding it. And that kind of slows it down. And the people who first do a, uh, a raised bed, that's the, the major thing they miss. They kind of do everything right. They do the soil test, and they, and they make sure they have a lot of organic matter in the soil, and they put a balanced fertilizer at the time of planting, and they don't realize that they got to add nitrogen. A few weeks after planting, uh, four to six weeks after planting, and continue to do that. 
And uh, and then they'll come back the next day and say, my plants did well and they grew, but man, after a while they just stopped growing and really didn't move. They kind of turned yellow and, and that's because they didn't didn't add the uh, the nitrogen to it. It's it's more important with, when it comes to vegetables uh, than it is with flowers, but it is it, it is very important when it when it comes to vegetables. The only thing that you do you don't not you don't need to add nitrogen is with, is going to be with the legumes such as uh, uh, snap beans and butter beans and peas. Uh, they actually make their own nitrogen out of the air, so they don't need it. Now, one of the things that, uh, you know, it's kind of human nature, Jeff, when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, how, how we think sometimes is that, you know, a little bit is good, but a lot is, is better. So I'm going to, if, if, if they're saying I'm going to add it every four to six weeks, I'm going to add it every week and really make this stuff grow. And that's true. That'll do exactly that. It'll make it grow, produce a lot of leaves, but it's going to produce a lot less fruit and uh, a lot less flowers. So you can't overdo it by by giving it too much nitrogen, and that's a, that plant's going to put out a ton of leaves. And so you want to kind of really keep it to every four to six weeks and just put it away from the plant and uh, make sure to bury it, uh, cover it, and then water it in uh, if, it, if it doesn't rain. Uh, we haven't seen an abundance of insecticides, but we're starting to see them. Uh, we saw a white fly earlier, which is very unusual for this early, but we got to remember, you know, a lot of people say, oh, man, we had that hard cold in December, uh, so the insect population should be down. And that's true if, the, if that hard cold would have been in February, but it was in December. And, Jeff, you remember, man, January and February was beautiful. Not only beautiful, but very warm, too. I mean, it, it was sometimes in the mid-'80s in January. And so I think the insect population multiplied and, and really – uh, I, I think we're going to see an early insect issue, but there's no preventative to it, but you're going to have to kind of uh, um, just kind of look out for it because it can be a, a problem when it comes to the, the, the vegetables. The, the big one is going to be uh, the squash bug or the stink bug, and that one hopefully will come back for the next two or three weeks. We won't see them for another two or three weeks. We generally see them the middle or end of May. I think it's going to be a little bit earlier this year. We also see, uh, I've seen uh, these little uh, worms that are starting to eat small holes in the leaves. I saw this on some beans, and I saw it on some, some tomatoes. And so when, when, the, uh, when, when you look at your garden, you know, you want to kind of, you really want to kind of get in there once or twice a week and look really good. And so the customer bought the leaves in and, and, and had them in the Ziploc bag and said, look, something's eating my leaves. So I took it out of the Ziploc and I turned it over, and sure enough, there was these, three or four little worms on the leaf. And, and so a lot of times you can see the insect. You just got to really do a close examination. The good news when it comes to the worms and the caterpillars, there's really a lot of safe insecticides that you can use that work very, very effectively and will uh, will knock them out within 24 hours. But you want to knock out those type of uh, insects because they will rip through a, a garden very, very fast and, and cause major issues. The, the other one that we're starting to see, which is not that unusual, is the leaf miner, which makes these little trails in the leaves. And, um, and you're really not going to find an insect there because it's actually a microscopic worm that's within the leaf itself. And, um, and it's one you want to kind of stay on top of. They're hard to kill. And so I, I generally tell um, the customer is that, look, 
if you just have one or two leaves on them, break those leaves off and discard it. Don't throw it in the uh, in the compost bin. Put it put it uh, you know straight to the garbage can where it can't infect anything else. And if you can kind of do you know manual uh, eradication initially, that'll help you. But but spraying early will also slow the multiplication of them down and. Uh, and, and it's really more weather-related, but again, because it was a warm winter, I think it's going to be an issue, and, and we want to look, at, look out for it. Okay, switching now from uh, vegetables more to uh, landscape issues, we're starting to see on the Italian cypress some browning on the leaves. The Italian cypress are these long, skinny, tall, cypress-looking uh, plants, upright, they're evergreen, they're narrow, they get about... Uh, 25 feet tall and maybe 24 inches wide. So they're real upright and narrow. They're starting to be utilized a lot more down here. Um, uh, but uh, we're starting to see these patches of brown, and a lot of people are misdiagnosing that as uh, mite. It's actually the fungus issues uh, which are causing that problem. So you want to get on top of that uh, and spray those really good with a fungicide that's labeled for it. And um, usually with those, we recommend using some type of a hose-end sprayer where you can uh, shoot a large volume of water, and it will shoot high. Uh, otherwise, you have to get on a ladder. And usually when you start doing that with a spray tech, you don't put out enough in, uh, fundicide. So you just want to spray them, and you have to repeat your sprays every couple of weeks for two or three sprays, and hopefully that will stop it down. R- really, the, the fundicide will stop it, and but more importantly, it's going to be uh, if it's going to continue to come on, it's going to be more to do with uh, with what the weather does. You know, if it starts to get uh, really hot, that's going to kind of shut it down. And um, but if we keep getting this, these rainfalls and moisture, it's going to cause uh, it, it could continue to can continue to uh, grow. And so you want to kind of stay on top of that. When it comes to the Italian cypress, you know, uh, airflow is very, very critical. Uh, you know, you, you kind of jam them up amongst other plant material. I've seen where, you know, mites or, or fungus has gone in from the bottom where you have a lot of shrubs, and they just went up the tree and devoured that tree in a matter of, you know, two months. That tree is totally brown. So you, you don't want to do a lot of plantings around them, and preferably in open areas where the airflow is better, and that's going to reduce this fungus issue that's occurring, as well as some in, in, insect issues. And while I'm kind of talking about the insect issues that the uh, Italian cypress can get, uh, there's also one, uh, it's a mite that gets on it. You won't better see it. Sometimes you'll see it if you scrape the, uh, the leaves and, and look at your hand. Uh, and sometimes you'll see these little mites that are on there. But they will also devour uh, the Italian cypress. I've seen devour arborvitas. A lot of these uh, juniper-type uh, uh, plants or needle-type plants, they, they will really wreak havoc. And those uh, those usually don't start occurring till middle or end of May and in the summertime. But there is a drench that you can actually soak under the uh, under the plant itself that will help reduce the problem dramatically. And so that's that's something you can actually do now uh, to help reduce the potential uh, mite issue that may occur late in the season. All you're doing is pouring this at the base of the plant, and it will keep them clean till about uh, uh, July August. And then it wouldn't be a bad idea if you repeated. I recommend doing this, especially if you've had these problems in the past, and uh, it's really good. This drench, and we'll talk about this uh, later, but uh, this drench is also really good for uh, crate myrtles, camellias, uh, things that usually have uh, issues when it comes to sooty mold and 
and issues like that. Switching now to weed issues, Jeff. The uh, one thing about the moisture is that uh, it also makes everything grow, and it, it including the weeds. And there's one particular weed I want to talk about. One is called dollar weed, and uh, dollar weed is it, it's called that because it, the leaf has the shape of a of a silver dollar or that size anyway. It's a real waxy plant. Uh, it loves moisture and it multiplies rapidly in moisture uh, or, or just wet conditions. The, the problem with dollar weed, it's hard to control. You know, there are granules we, we talk about putting out to prevent weeds. It can't control that one because it mostly comes up from rhizomes under the soil. And if you've ever pulled dollar weed out of a bed, uh, when you pull it, you can almost grab a chunk of it and pull it up. And, you know, you could, you could potentially have two or three feet of, of roots coming out of the ground if the soil is loose enough. So it's hard to control. The, the really best way to control it is if you're having a water issue is to solve the water problem. Sometimes, Jeff, you may have an irrigation system that's maybe pumping a ton of water, and maybe that area is, is staying too wet. It might be a little bit shadier. And so if you can con- control the valves or the head and maybe move a little water away from that, that helps. Obviously, you know, raising the beds and, and, and uh, allowing the, the, uh, the soil to drain and dry out will help it. But sometimes it, it's, it's, it maybe it's just, you know, the, you know, where it is located, not much you can do about it. But you need to stay on top of dollar weed. It, it does, it does uh, move fast. You can spray spot spray like Roundup, and that will help you. But really, initially especially, initially it's important to kind of loosen the soil and then pull it up so you can get as much of those rhizomes, those roots out of the ground, and and that's kind of your best way to combat it when you first start to deal with it. Pull as much of the roots up as you can so that uh, you'll have less and less of problems. We're going to start to see a lot more uh, weeds, Jeff, because of the moisture we're getting, And uh, but, but there are other, other controls, and we talked about them in the past, and we'll mention them again in the future. But for this one, that's kind of what we recommend uh, when we're dealing with that issue. Jumping now a little bit to uh, uh, roses, Jeff, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, knockout roses. Knockouts are the new, uh, well, I say new, 20 or 25 years they've come out, and it's, it's the one that you see in the landscape the most. But there's one called a petite knockout, and this is kind of, it's a, it's a new introduction, maybe two, three, four years it's been out. Uh, the neat thing about the petite knockout is, kind of combats one of the big issues that people had with the knockouts. It just got too big and woody and leggy. And, uh, and so, you know, you can't, this one only gets 12 inches tall. So it's great for, for a container, but it's also really good in the landscape. And maybe 18, 24 inches at the max. Uh, the ones that you see predominantly are going to be the red flowers. But uh, if, if you see some, some little, flower, uh, little, little roses that aren't getting big at all but are in the landscape beds, that is the petite knockout, which is a really good one for a certain area that uh, maybe you want something that's going to stay short and, uh, and, and, and a perennial, meaning that it will come back from year to year. Uh, it'll do extremely well. And, uh, and, and, and it's actually, it actually doesn't have the, you know, the fungus issues that some of the other uh, roses have the, the key with any rose is that you want to put it in a situation where you get a lot of sun and uh and so at least half a day or all day and um and let it kind of give it some space and they are very very showy 
and actually do extremely well. Anything else uh, to share today? Uh, Jeff, Jeff, I think that's it. Well, always a pleasure uh, in, uh, in studio or on the phone. Happy to have you. And, uh, again, uh, hopefully tomorrow's not too rainy, but uh, take advantage of it if, if you need it. Yeah, and I think the weekend's going to be really, really uh, temperatures are going to ought to be perfect. It ought to, it's going to be sunny, and uh, I'm going with that prediction both Saturday and Sunday. I am, too. Uh, Richard, always a pleasure. Thank you, Jeff.